All right, welcome to another episode of The Cymatic Show. We have Gabe here from Legion Beats. What's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for flying out from San Francisco on a dime. Bro, super last minute. I think we talked and I booked my Sunday. flight like an hour later and now I'm here a couple days later. Dude, I wanted to get you here. I was like, come on, man. I was like, dude, we got an open spot Thursday. I was like, fly out. It's worth it, which I'm already. If you went back now with nothing else, I feel like we already, you Bro, know what I'm already, just the conversation we've had have been worth it, so Sweet. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Just a heads up for anybody watching, this is going to be one of the best podcasts yet, this, I think. Yeah, actually, quick primer, <laughs> sometimes we tell people after, this is a take notes, rewatch 10 definitely, times definitely, type of podcast. Yeah, take notes. There's going to be a lot of like marketing, uh, e-commerce information on here. So. Yeah, and, and, and the reason being is, is that Gabe is somebody who has absolutely crushed it when it comes to selling beats, and I know a lot of you guys out there are trying to get to that space, and he actually has a practical way for every producer out there to actually do it. It's not getting lucky. It's not getting some major placement, some big artist here. And he has like a, a practical strategy that we're going to share. And I mean, he's made over a million dollars selling beats online and has been crushing it and has done it both ways. So you want to give a little introduction yeah, a little bit no. more about how you got started and, and how you've got to the point you're at now? For sure. So for me, I kind of started out like the old school way, right? Where it was like working with artists in my area, trying to be a producer, getting placements. Um, I've always had, since pretty early on, I had my own recording studio. So Engineering has been a big part of what I've done, um, but then I was just trying to work with the artists in my area. So I'm from the Bay Area, you mm -hmm. know, near San Francisco, and so for me, uh, especially at the time when I was first coming up, was like 2005, 2006. I was working with guys like Keek the Sneak and Mr. Fab and E40, and you know, all these guys. Where if you're from the Bay, like you know for sure who these guys. I don't even know if you guys know who that is, yeah, no. but like if you're from the Bay, like for sure those are like the legends out there. And so that's kind of how I started out. I was like, okay, cool. You kind of try to work with the artists in the area and then try to get, you know, placements outside and stuff. And I basically, we did pretty good at that game, right? Like we had songs that were on the radio, at least out in the Bay, um, pretty, you know, relatively well known in the area and kind of, kind of built from there. And it was like about 10 years of that game of trying to get placements, of trying to work my way up. And like, it was cool, but it was like, I was broke. Like I was not making money. Like the money was so inconsistent. Like, you know, I'd sell a beat for a few hundred bucks or whatever here and there and do, you know, do some do some sessions at the studio and stuff. But I was barely making any money. Um, and I was actually pretty much ready to give up on music, like probably about five years ago. Um, just It just felt like I was plateauing. It wasn't really working. It was super frustrating, like playing the whole placements game of trying to send shit out and like hoping that, you know, somebody will listen to it that, you know, trying to develop the relationship with the A&Rs and the artists and all that kind of stuff. And um, so I was pretty much done. I was like, yeah, this is not working. And so almost out of desperation, I was like, well, maybe let me try selling beats online. Like not, you know, certainly wasn't the first one to do it. People have been doing that for over 10 years before that. Um, but I was like, all right, well, let me, let me just give this a try. Like, why not? And it was crazy where like, you know, I first did it, and, and back then it was like, this was about four or five years ago, and it was like the tail end of SoundClick still being kind of cool. And so I just got on SoundClick, and I was like, oh, I got a couple sales, like 20 bucks for a beat lease. This is pretty cool. Like, I didn't have to, like, chase after anybody or whatever. Like, it's pretty fun. Like, okay, let me, let me learn a little bit more. Like, maybe I can pick up a couple tips and tricks as far as marketing and stuff to actually, you know, sell a few more beats. And then what ended up happening was I started learning more about the marketing side, the branding side, the... Uh, the business side of things. And the more I learned, I would take that, I would apply it to selling beats, I'd have more success and I'd get super excited about it. And the next thing you know, like I started being just as excited about the marketing side of stuff as I was about the music stuff. And I just really dove in and learned and saw what people were doing in different industries and started applying that to selling beats. And so in a 
relatively short time, you know, four or five years or so of selling beats online, we've been able to kind of grow, you know, Legion Beats to one of the more successful brands selling beats online. That's fucking awesome, man. It sounds like such a similar story to us, if I'm being honest, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Just like being passionate about that marketing side. So many people sleep on it. It's like the missing thing that they usually have with their thing. Like, hey, you don't actually know how to get to these people. You don't know how to use the internet to do all this stuff. Exactly um, right. Yeah. No, I think how that's How many awesome. people do you have on your team right now? So on our team, we have about, probably about 10 people sort of on the core team mm -hmm. where like, um, you know, where they're working pretty much full time. And then we've got a bunch of contractors and, you know, producers and artists and stuff that kind of work with us on top of that. But as far as kind of like our core team where we're checking in every day, um, it's, it's about 10 people. And we've got people where I'm at in the Bay. Uh, we've got a few people down in L.A. And then we've actually got a couple people in the Philippines. So how does that work? Is that like mostly producers, like actually just making beats, mastering, mixing, whatever? No. So really most of that team is on the the business side mm -hmm. um well i shouldn't say most but a lot of them are so like it's like customer service like i've got basically two full-time customer service people i've got um uh, people who help with content and social media i've got people who um you know engineers for sure that's a big part of what we do is we offer mixing and mastering yeah i was gonna ask about that i wanted to know about how people can get in, into that yeah so for that so we've got um i'd say about four engineers um that are on the team so that's a big part of what we do um, and everybody, you know, we're a small, we're a startup like you guys. So it's like, there's like, you know, like we'll have people on our team who's an engineer, like, but they're doing 10 <laughs> other things too. Like he's engineering, yeah. plus he's doing mm -hmm. some customer service, plus he's creating content, plus, you know what I mean? So I like, feel like everybody on our team is like that. Yeah. yeah. Our whole team including is, us too. yeah, we're like that too. Like yeah. right now we're doing this and later we're on the website, later they're making content, like whole nine. Exactly. And I feel like if you're a startup, if you're a relatively small company, like that's how it's gotta be. Like you want people on your team that are excited about doing a bunch of different stuff and are like self-motivated to do a bunch of stuff. Cause not until, until you get like huge, we've got like hundreds of employees, then it could be like, okay, all you do is this exact little mm -hmm. thing and just worry about that. Until then, I feel like you want everybody on your team to kind of be an entrepreneur themselves to some extent to where like they're they're like asking to learn the next thing. They're excited about the next mm -hmm. thing. So yeah. that's, you know, so I've got a good team that, that does a lot of no, that that's stuff. That's awesome. So uh, out, of, out of curiosity, so, you know, you hit this breakthrough moment, you know, yep. four or five years ago where you're like, I'm going to start selling online. And now, like I said, you've made over a million bucks, you know, through selling, uh, through essentially a funnel. But like, what did that look like? Was it like, instantly you're making, you know, fat cash or was it like a slow grind or did you slowly build that audience or what was that like? Yeah. That progression. It was, it's been like a, a good steady pace. Like we've literally pretty much, uh, on track doubled our revenue every year since we started, you know, since we started mm -hmm. online, which is like 2014, you know? So like, that's like big growth, but it's pretty consistent. Like, so like last year we did a little over half a million dollars. We're pretty much on track to do a million dollars this year. You know, and it's been like that backwards for the last since we started. So like it's been steady, but that's like a good growth curve, right? Yeah. Um, so but really I guess as far as how it worked was like, yeah, just starting out doing what everybody else was doing. Cause that's I don't know, you kinda look at like, well, what are other people doing here? Like, okay, they're like posting beats on at that time SoundCloud or sorry, SoundClick and then and then Beat Stars and they're trying to drive traffic there from YouTube or Instagram or whatever. And so that's kind of what I started out doing, and it worked. It worked okay. And then it wasn't until I got into some of the deeper stuff that I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, there's all this stuff that people are doing in these other industries that are not being done yet for selling beats. Like, let me try some of that stuff, and that's when I really started crushing it. Yeah. You, do you want to talk about some of that? Like, what were some of those key discoveries that you saw that people were doing outside of the music industry that played a big role in your success? Yeah. So, so like, 
Well, I will. I gotta give. I gotta give credit to uh, Anno Domini, who's a you know producer who's been selling beats online forever. Like this, mm-hmm. he was one of the first guys to put a PayPal button on a SoundClick. Dude, page. I've known about him since I was thirteen. <laughs> I think fourteen, yeah. something like that. Yeah, no, he's a he's an OG as far as selling beats online. But what's what's so impressive about him is like since he started, you know, ten years ago, he was an innovator in the field, and he still is now. Where like he's staying on the cutting edge of stuff. So he was the first guy that I saw who was incorporating some of this new stuff, who was incorporating sales funnels. You know, I found out about ClickFunnels, which is like the software that I use to build funnels um, from him because I saw it was something, like I literally, he, I saw some ad or some post he had on Facebook. I clicked on it. I saw the URL said like anodomini.clickfunnels.com. I was like, oh, what's ClickFunnels? It's, it's kind of cool. And that alone like put me down this whole path of like finding out about ClickFunnels, finding out about Russell Brunson, who's the CEO of that company and his whole philosophy as far as marketing and um, and that's that's when I really started learning that kind of stuff and starting to apply it, applying the the sales funnel concept, learning the importance of growing a list, like all that kind of stuff. That's that's really what what started it. Yeah, no, it's all, dude. That's so crazy, man. Talk about a similar story for us guys. Like, I mean, we used to look at Russell Brunson a lot. Uh, I mean, Gary Vee was obviously a huge inspiration, but it's almost like a blessing bumping into that world. Like, dude, I can't imagine not ever seeing that world and being open to it. So then your mind's now open to like learning more about it, you know, versus some people, they keep going, post on Instagram, do whatever. They just never see that side and they never learn some of those foundational things I think are important to doing numbers like, you know, you or how we're doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. Like, and I love it too. Like, I love geeking out on, like we were talking earlier about all these like little things. Like I I love the marketing side. Like I feel so lucky because I love music and I love the marketing side of it, and so like I get to do both. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like so many producers, so many people in music look at it like, well, I love doing music, and this other part of it is like something I hate doing, but I have to do it as as part of the job. And it's like to me, if you can like get into the stuff and you start seeing some results and you start having fun with it, then all of a sudden it's like you don't hate the marketing side. You actually like that too. And now like it's the greatest I job mean, in the world. Once you get the results, you'll start liking it. I don't care who <laughs> the helps. fuck you are. <laughs> it helps a lot. You start having some of those, you know, those $50,000 days or like I know you guys have had even bigger numbers or whatever where it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. I kind of <laughs> like this. You're like, wait, this is fun, you know? I mean, it's crazy because like also you got to think about our lives. Like, dude, look what we're doing right now. You know what I'm saying? We're chilling. Like I think a lot of the music industry sometimes takes a hard route, like touring and traveling, like flights and all this stuff. Like, dude, we're chilling half the day, you know, working on our computers. We get to work on music. We get to do cool shit online. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's a, there's way more of this that should be done and it's also not only super profitable, but also like practical. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it's like very practical to set up your own website, start to learn about the marketing side. Definitely. Yeah. You want to talk about like your biggest win with selling beats? Like what's the, the one time you're like, dude, we fucking killed it. We made a ton. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So our biggest, our biggest launch to date was uh, November 2018. We did a launch for Black Friday. Um, and basically what it was, we, we did a beat pack. So it was like a, you know, a combination of a whole bunch of beats um, at a, a big discounted rate. And so we kind of had this whole lead up to it basically where it was like, we had this contest going where it was like, um, and the contest that year was like, you get to win a song with Chris Brown. You get to do a song with Chris Brown. And basically we had some licensed vocals from Chris Brown that they were able to use, right? So that's how we were able to pull that off. Um, plus you get like free beats for life, plus free promo, like, you know, irresistible offer, right? That's a super important thing is like, if you want people to take an action, give them an irresistible offer, right? Like, like, like what you're gonna give away a free guitar for like listening to the podcast or whatever like you yeah. know like it's irresistible like I have to do it right so like <laughs> so that's the first thing is like make make your stuff irresistible to whoever your fans your clients your customers whatever 
So that was the first thing is getting people to opt in or join this contest. And then what was cool about that contest, it was like a viral type contest. And the way that you win that contest was by sharing that contest with other people. And the more people you got to join that contest, the more points you got. And then you also got um, uh, rewarded along the way. Like, hey, if you get three other people to join the contest, you get more freebies. If you get 10 other people to join the contest, you get this. If you're in the top 10, you get this. So it's like incentivizing people along the way where no matter what objection they might have to sharing that, I knocked it down, right? So it'd be like, okay, well, I just joined this contest, but I know I'm not gonna win it because I don't have a million followers or whatever, so I'm not gonna share it. Well, it was like, no, look, if you just get three other people to join it, you know, you're gonna win this. So it's like, okay, cool. So mm. then, so every single person is, so now it's irresistible not only to enter the contest, but it's irresistible to share it. And so that went crazy. Like it blew up, like at least for me, I would like scroll through my timeline of like artists and stuff and they were all sharing my contest, right? Because mm -hmm. it was like good for them as pay is free to enter. They get free stuff to enter and they get, you know, they get rewarded along the way. So that was the first part of it is this big buildup of sort of this contest. And then what we did is we did an announcement of like, hey, here's, Here's, you know, we're gonna say who won the contest. We did like a Facebook Live and, you know, did it on Instagram as well. And so there's all this excitement, like, oh, we wanna see who won, like, this is gonna be dope. And then it was like, okay, cool, now we're gonna announce the winners, but we're also gonna let you guys know that one of the things in this contest we're actually gonna have for sale, which in this case, it was like every beat we made this year. And it's gonna be at this huge discounted rate for the next seven days, right? So that was like the cart opening for that launch. Mm -hmm. um, and so then we had that available basically for the next seven days. And my goal with that, and I had actually stated this publicly, was like, we wanna do the first six figure launch in our industry. So as far as I know, nobody's ever made over $100,000 you know, in a week selling beats online. And so that was kind of my goal was like, you know, that, that's what we want to do. And I remember I was like, damn, like, kind of wish I hadn't said that because I don't know if we're going to do it, you yeah. know? And I remember like the first few days of sales was like, okay, this is going good. We got like 10,000, 20,000, like this is cool. But like, we're not on pace to like, to actually do this. And now I've talked about, you know, working with other producers that are involved and, every, and my own team. And like, they're going to be, like if we do 70,000, we're going to be disappointed, but that would still be awesome. Um, and then sure enough, the last few days, it just really turned up where we had, um, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday were like the last three days. And Wednesday we did like $31,000, which was cool because in 2014, my first year selling beats online, that was about exactly how much I had made. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> a year and a day. Yeah. Right. And then the next day we had like another like 30 something thousand dollar day. And then the last day, uh, was a $55,000 day. And so all in all, you know, which, which was way more than I'd made in a year before that, right? And so all in all, we ended up doing over $200,000 in sales with that launch. And that was like, whoa. Yeah, it's like funny. the ceiling of what I thought was possible as far as selling beats online is like, is even higher than what I thought was possible. And I think it's way higher than what most people think is possible. Yeah, no, that's fucking awesome, man. I think that uh, key takeaway for people listening is the power of like scarcity. People don't even know what yeah. scarcity is. And, and just for you guys who don't know, essentially scarcity is, is that the less available something is, the more desirable it is for humans. So when you introduce timer, special offer, and all of a sudden that offer is about to be gone forever, obviously almost every major company does this. We do this, you do this, whatever. Introduce a little bit of scarcity on your music, your beats, and stuff like that. You get that spike in sales. That's why you got that 50K at the end, 30, 30, right? Exactly. Yeah. Just exactly. a lot of people got to learn psychology. I mean, do you study psychology? Yeah. I mean, I do as far as from a marketing perspective, for sure. And that, yeah, and urgency and scarcity are like the two huge ones, right? Because everybody wants... Everybody wants what they can't have, right? Or they want something that's exclusive or they don't want to miss out, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say, hey, you only have this much time to get this or we only have 
50 of this thing, and so only the first 50, right, that's something you guys mm -hmm. do, only the first 50 people who get this thing are gonna uh, get this extra bonus or whatever. People want that, and it, it, it incentivizes them, it actually gets them to take action more. Otherwise, like if I just had this deal going year round, like people might buy it, people might not, but the fact that you put that urgency and scarcity into it, bam, they wanna buy it right then. Because why would they buy it now? They're, they're watching Netflix or something. Like, what's the point of buying it now when you get it later? But if that thing is pushing them a little bit, it's like, all right, I got to go. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's why people are crazy on Black Friday anyways. You know yep. what I'm saying? That one time a year, people are murdering each other by with stampedes <laughs> just to get a fucking TV for Literally. 50 bucks off. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it makes it makes such a huge difference. And actually, uh, you know, some, some little marketing nerd stuff with that too is I had always done it on Black Friday like the two mm -hmm. years before we had done something similar mm -hmm. and then it ended up really messing up my week because like Thanksgiving is the day before and so it's like a day off and your team and your yeah. team's so off my on whole team same right yeah. and me too and like you know yeah. want to hang out with my girlfriend and like family and stuff so that whole week is like my craziest week of the whole year right and so what we ended up doing is we actually pushed it back two weeks we did it two weeks before so cart opens two weeks before Black Friday and actually ends a week before. And I was like, ah, like part of the psychology of it, like you said, is like Black Friday, everybody has their credit cards out. They're ready to spend money or whatever. So I was like, you know, a little hesitant to do that. But I was like, I just, I just want to have that week off. You know what I mean? And so we did that last year. Not only did it crush it, but I realized every single company in the world is running more Facebook ads during Black Friday during that week than any other week of the whole year. So, and it's a bidding Thing, right so you have to outbid other people so because I was two weeks earlier our return on ad spend was so much better because I wasn't competing so hard with all these other guys mm. so it ended up being amazing we did it two weeks before Black Friday and it, and it killed it not to mention like I'm giving away all the sauce here but like all the other producers with their little sales or whatever anybody else like we we beat them to it like they already bought ours like maybe they'll buy theirs too but they're gonna buy ours first for sure so now we're gonna do ours a week before you, you know <laughs> yeah exactly it's gonna keep getting pushed back <laughs> you're like damn it we're, we're the <laughs> outbidding i'm like bid maximum <laughs> no matter what um i had a bunch of questions from people like in the community um especially beginner stuff how many beats should you have in your catalog before you actually start selling online um i think that this kind of depends like don't let it be an excuse. Like just like, I feel like so many people use that as an excuse, right? Like, oh, if I just had like, yeah, cool, I got some beats, but my next round is gonna be so much better, so then I'm gonna mm -hmm. launch the store. Or mm -hmm. like, if I only had 50 beats or 100 beats or whatever, and it's like, basically like, I almost don't wanna give a number because it's more just like, just start doing it. Like there's, you need to learn two completely separate skills, which is like honing your craft of like making beats, but then like honing your craft of selling beats. So just like, Get started. Learn how to do. Dude, both. there's so much to like fucking up to. You had to fuck up like a hundred times before, so you got to, you might as well get those fuck ups out of the way early. And there's no way to learn besides fucking yeah. up. Yeah, like dude, we've we've learned so much just through like well, <laughs> and sometimes for us, like we learn on like a ninety day sales cycle because if we're doing a big product launch or something like. That sucks because now it's another three, four months out before we get to correct that mistake. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But that's so important is that you try the stuff, you see what works, you see what doesn't work. So like, I would say like, just, just start now, whatever you have right now, that's the perfect number. So somebody wants to start now. They're like, they just listened to you. They're like, all right, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, right now, what's the next step? The next week, what does their next week look like? They've, they've said, screw it. I'm going to, you know, call off work. I'm working on this. What's their next move for the next week? Yeah. So for me, I would want to make sure that I'm doing two things. I'm building a list. And I am understanding who my customer avatar is, 
So, so actually, I'll start with the first one. Understand who your customer avatar is. So, like, under, so customer avatar is like a fancy way of saying like your ideal customer. Like, who mm. is that person? And like, having a good sense of that is so important. So, like, for me, I actually like to go pretty, pretty far on this of like actually creating a person. Like, give we them a did name. This too. Yeah, we <laughs> did, this? Did, okay, we did yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so a give them a name. Everything. Be like, okay, whatever. Bob is like, you know, twenty three years old. What was our guy's name? <laughs> Our guy's name was, was it? it was something funny. I think it was Tyler, Tyler or something. Tyler. His name was Tyler. Was we called him Tyler. He was like a college kid who like didn't really like school, but he loved making music. It was essentially us, if I'm being honest. Yes. You know what I'm saying? When we first no, made it, was named, that. it was named after somebody we know, though. It was, but those two names put together, I remember, yeah. that were funny. Anyways, we did the same shit. No, that's perfect. Exactly yeah, yeah. what you guys are talking about. And a lot of times, yeah, so give him a name, give him a story. Oh, yeah, you know, he. What'd you say? You dropped out of college, you went to college, whatever yeah, it was. Exactly, like, yeah. Whatever it is. Um, and get really clear about who that person is. And a lot of the times that is going to be you, right? Like you are a lot of times your own customer avatar. Um, and the importance of that is a few things. One is that everything's going to be dictated by that. So the offer, the thing that you're going to be selling is going to be dictated by who you're selling it to because their their hopes, their dreams, their wants, their needs, all that kind of stuff. Like you need to know who that person is in order to create an offer that's gonna to appeal to them. And then not not only that, but your voice, the way that, you, like if you think about like, okay, the way that I'm talking to you guys right now, the way that I talk to my mom, the way that I talk to my friends, like it's all gonna be slightly different, right? It's just human nature. It's just how you talk, right? Mm -hmm. So once you start getting into like the marketing world, you just start putting yourself out there and you're like talking into a camera or you're writing an email and you're just writing it out into the ether, it's gonna sound super generic and bland. So like you wanna know who is that, who am I writing it to? Like I'm writing that shit to Tyler. Like I'm writing to Tyler. Like I'm gonna use the language I'm gonna use. I'm gonna be, um, I'm not gonna worry about offending my mom, for example, because <laughs> I'm talking to Tyler. Like I don't care, like maybe my mom's gonna read this, maybe it doesn't matter, like I'm talking to Tyler. Like, and what that's gonna do is every time you get on camera, every time you write that email, everything, like you're thinking about Tyler and that's gonna focus everything from there. So that's, mm -hmm. that, that would be the first part is like, get clear about that customer avatar. And then, so that's like, I know it's like a little more in the theory world, but it is important. Mm -hmm. And as far as sort of the practical stuff, now it's now it's starting to build your list. We we're talking about this earlier, but like, it can look like a few different things, but you, you need to start owning your traffic, right? So like, you wanna get people on your email list or your messenger list or your SMS list or whatever it is, somewhere where you can like, get those people on your list where now you can contact them in the future and you can build that relationship, you can build rapport. Like people wanna do business with a person that they know and they like and they trust. And one of the best ways to do that is to get them on a list to where now you can, you know, start- Contacting them. Start contacting them. We call yeah. it broadcast power. Yeah. And, and essentially like, it's so good. Like when me and Drew, for example, go to build a new channel, go to promote a new pack, go to promote this show. We have 1.1 million emails. Boom, I get to talk to them. You know what I'm saying? And there's it's not like some algorithm thing where it's like whatever. It's like, no, I know there'll be out of that 1.1 million, there'll be like 150,000 people that are super interested in what I just sent them. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't it doesn't seem a lot compared to 1.1 million, but it is. And yeah. it slams in, you know? And I think a lot of people just they don't do stuff like that. And I don't understand why. Like we focused since day one on emails. Like literally mm -hmm. the first day the game was like, how many emails can we collect for free I was, stuff? I was putting out every opt-in I could think of. I was just making Random one of our shit, one of like, our ones that popped first was like, dude, me and Drew went to Walmart years ago, right? And we recorded all these samples of like, you know, random little Foley sounds. And we're like, we posted this on Reddit and it went like top of Reddit. It was like, I went to Walmart and recorded 400 plus 
samples for free. Don't don't it so. for anybody watching. Don't expect that strategy to learn for t- or work for yeah. too long because that shit. The Reddit mods but, don't yeah, like the us. Reddit get mods to the top. do not. Yeah, because when you're when you're linking to it often, they're like fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care if it's like Google Drive or something. But uh, but yeah, just any kind of opt-ins. That you, the, they go the, the reason I like building a list too, because if you think about it, it, it kills two birds with one stone. So one, you build a list to really help your business eventually sell beats or sell different stuff you're going to sell, different offers. And the second reason I like it is it builds value at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're giving them something usually for free for them to give their email. You know, For exactly us, it's right. free packs, free presets, et cetera. For you, it's free beats. Yep. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think it's a, a double good thing. Yeah, no, exactly right. And then from there, that's the whole thing. It's that it's a... Uh, that value exchange, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna give this guy my email and he's gonna give me, let's say, some freebies. Like, mm-hmm. cool, like that's like you both feel good about that, right? And then from there now it's like, okay, what's the next what's the next step up on that, you know, value ladder is like a Russell mm-hmm. Brunson term, right? What's that next step up on the value ladder? So like it might be like, hey, I'm gonna give you an offer of like, hey, you got those five free beats. How would you like to upgrade those to unlimited licenses? Or how would you like ten more beats? Normally they're this much. But right now, since you're on my special VIP list, whatever, you know, something like that, you know, I'm going to offer it to you at this this cool little discount. So now it's like, okay, they got those free beats for opting in. The beats hopefully are pretty dope or whatever. And they're like, well, I felt good about that. This is a low cost, you know, thing that I can do. This low cost offer. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my money. You're going to give me that offer in exchange. And now that customer feels good again. Like, oh wow. Like I just gave this guy 20 bucks and he gave me five more beats or whatever it was, right? And now they're like, oh, this feels great. And now climb them up the next one. Like, hey, for 147 bucks, you get this. And they're like, well, so far, every time I've given this guy money, I've gotten so much value back that you just keep that relationship and you keep sort of building that up. So yeah. that's, that, that's the process. No, I think that's awesome. Um, people, it's not, it's not people instantly going to give you a bunch of money or paying $10,000 for a placement or something like that. It's like a lot of little relationship building almost with the audience. Cause then it's also trust, man. If they spend a little bit of money with you and they like what they got, like for us, you know, our version of that is the $7 packs. We do $3 packs, $1 packs, sometimes just free gift card. Yeah. It's like, yo, get a taste, you know, get it, get the stuff for free. And, if, and, and we do a lot of free downloads too, but if they like it and it's high quality, obviously that's what we strive for. They're going to come spend more money. Cause they're like, okay, cool. I trust the brand, you know? Exactly. So I was on your uh, your website and I saw your Facebook Messenger up in mm-hmm. pop up. Yep. So you want to explain that for people? Yeah. So Facebook Messenger has been great for the us. The best. It's so <laughs> fucking good, man. So good. We should yeah. go into it. It's pretty deep here a little bit because I think everybody in the rally needs to join or start a Facebook Messenger list. You use a mini. Try it. You use a mini chat, right? Or what do you use? Using mini chat. Yeah. yeah. You guys do? Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I hate when it goes down though. You ever have it go down and it's like random? I don't know if I've had that. Dude, randomly mini chats like, oh, we're down for a little bit. I'm like. <laughs> we're sending something today <laughs> like, oh you know? man no i'm glad that hasn't happened in the middle yeah. of the launch or something but yeah mini chat is great but messenger messenger's been been incredible because like i love like we just talked about email right so i'm all in on email it's great but you know the open rates are relatively low right like 150,000 people opening is amazing but that's what 15 percent or whatever right mm-hmm. um and so with messenger what's crazy is like right now i literally have the power like We've got 50,000 people on our messenger list. I can send something out and 50,000 phones will buzz right now and that message will pop up on their screen. Like that is crazy. And so what happens is the open rates are 80, 90%. I've had stuff that's been 95% mm-hmm, open yes. rate. And, and it's not a small sample size. It's 15,000 people or whatever getting that, getting that thing. And it's like, so that power is like insane, right? Because you can reach so many people instantly Um, And I would say like, we can get into some of the specifics of that, but like to me, the big picture of that is like, just being aware of like, what are the new things? Cause that was something that didn't exist three years ago. 100%, yeah. 
So just being aware of that, like for me, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm gonna hop on this. Like it's still, there's very few producers who are doing that. Like the most of the ones I see doing it are the ones that I literally individually talk to and are like, yo, you gotta do this. This is a good idea, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm sure it's gonna spread more and more, but it's like being aware of when these new channels, these new opportunities open up, like jump on them first. Cause that's always when they're the best is like, like Messenger has been insane. And I already know they just like literally just change some things where I'm sure it's still dope. No, I, like, I, I, yeah, I was definitely reading about that. Yeah, but it's not quite where it was like, literally I could just do whatever I want and just click a button and reach everybody. Like they're, they're starting to crack down on it a little bit. But the point for me, I guess, for that big picture is just like, be aware of like, what's, what's when those opportunities come up where you can reach your customers in a new way, like hop on it early because that's always when it's gonna You don't wanna look back at this era and be like, why didn't I, I heard about that messenger, why didn't I you know, hop on what Gabe was talking about? Why did, for us, it's like we're pitching it, we're screaming Instagram, we're like, this is the, that window, you're talking about messenger, yes. Instagram's in that golden era, I'm like, please, do it now. Right. And then like, I mean, dude, those back in the day, those are a moment where me and Drew probably could've took more advantage of Facebook fan page, because right. we were making these viral videos that are getting 1.5 mil. One penny opt-ins for people download shit. It was like an ebook too. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a bad opt-in or anything. Wicked, you know, get, wow. like we're, we're like consistently hitting like 300k on on just paying other big pages to post stuff and like um, Messenger is definitely one of those things right now. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, if everybody listening, Facebook Messenger is amazing because email you send text, right? Facebook Messenger you get text, you get pictures, you get video, and guess what? You get audio. What is our whole industry based off of? It's it's audio. A lot of it's listening. If you have some sick beats, you can send them little previews, boom, 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 inside of Messenger. If they like what they hear, they go download them for free, or maybe they pay money for them or something like that. You know. Also, oh. the fact you can just send a voice message real quick to <sighs> 50,000 people. Hey, yo, guys, what's up? That's what I was telling <laughs> Gabe. I'm like, watch, on. dude. I'm going to literally walk outside. I'm just going to be like, yo, what's up, guys? It's Steven here. We have something awesome for 808 Day. we got some exclusives, blah, blah. Hope you enjoy them. Have an awesome day. Boom. And, and everybody gets to hear that. And then they connect with you like on a, it's almost like a video, you know, cause it's a personal level, but right. it's, you know, via messenger. No, that's dope. I haven't actually done the voice thing too much. We should do messenger, it today. So. That's yeah, what we no, should I'm, do. I'm While you're here, sure. we're going to record one and, and blast her out. But it's dope too. Cause yeah, you can do all this different media, but it's also kind of interactive in this cool way where you can have it be like, you know, you can have, it's almost like a choose your own adventure. Like you can send out a message that says, hey, are you interested in this, this, or this? And they can click one of three buttons and now you send them a different message based off of that thing. And mm -hmm. so it does two things. It makes it it's sort of fun for them, right? Because they have, they can interact it with different ways. But then also you can actually start tagging people based off of what thing they click. You can be like, oh, they're more interested in this thing. Cool. I'm going to send them messages based off of that that's going to like appeal to them specifically. So there's there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you want to talk about maybe more of a specific example of that, how you use it? Like how are you segmenting by like type of beat or like what exactly are we dealing with that that the users could take away? Yeah, so for Messenger, the main way that I'm using it is I get people to opt in usually sort of at the top of my funnel. Like, hey, get some free beats. I'll have them opt in through Messenger and email at the same time. You can actually kind of connect them. Mm -hmm. um, the way that I'm doing it is um, using Zapier and ManyChat. So basically every time somebody enters their email on ManyChat, goes off to Zapier. Right now I'm on MailChimp, which is like- I Oh, just, dude. I, just, I know, it's oh, you dude. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get off it's of MailChimp bit. today, I man. I it's, just, I you'll get every, stuck in promotions You should folder. tell everybody what we use or what we're we, so yeah, we, we Yeah, we use yeah. HubSpot yeah. because our, dude, our contact here is really big, but I would actually suggest for a lot of people smaller lists to, or just even getting started with ConvertKit. We're even thinking about moving to ConvertKit. Cause yeah. like HubSpot's like a Swiss army knife and right. I'm using it just as an email service provider. Right. Um, so I don't need all the features. So I'm being charged extra when you have 1.1 1 
one million emails, they charge you fat. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's we're a, in tax right now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, and then we can't. We're at mercy, kind of a little bit, because we can't sacrifice the email list. You know, that's the thing you have to keep alive. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's crazy. But uh, yeah, no, I know. I've been looking at. I feel like uh, Active Campaign looks dope. Um, any of them. And I might do Action Addict. <laughs> Choose Wait, I know anything. anything's better. I know I'll I just got on it years ago, and then I just I've, I've, there's been like five different times where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna make the switch, but it's such a hassle to. I don't think it's that bad. Move everything over. Yeah, it's maybe. not as bad. Once you start, because I had to make the move from Mailchimp as well. Yeah. Once you start, it's not that big of a. You realize it's it's only a handful of pages you gotta change. It's only a couple of these, couple of those. Right. Uh, but we use the same combo, by the way. Xapier like moving stuff over to HubSpot, same shit. For sure. Um. So you mentioned funnels like a few times, and yes. nobody listening to this. <laughs> Almost is even gonna know what the fuck you're talking about. So why don't we start explaining that a little bit? That might bit. be this whole conversation. They're like, I don't know what those guys said. I for an hour. Funnel, funnels. Yes. Uh, yeah. Probably should have. Probably should have started off with that. So basically, um, to me, what a sales funnel is is it's basically just the whole journey that a customer goes on from not knowing who you are all the way to like loving you, trusting you, buying from you over and over. And like, what are all the steps in between? So that's like big picture, right? Mm -hmm. Still kind of theoretical. But then to like break it down, what does that actually look like? Well, usually what that looks like is like a specific series of pages, you know, web pages that are kind of built in a, in a certain way to get you to take a certain action. So like one way you can think about it, if you think of like a traditional website is like you're, you're on that website, right? It's like the homepage and there's like all these menus and all these different buttons and all these different places you can go. Um, and so you could think about like the analogy of that is like almost like walking into like Costco and there's like this warehouse and there's just stuff everywhere and it's cool. Like if you kind of know what you want, you can walk around and do some stuff. What a funnel is, is a little bit more like if you go to like some high end clothing store or something and somebody greets you at the door and they're like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? Like, you know, here's, here's the first thing that I think you're going to want, right? It's, it's this great deal. It's like this awesome thing. And then they're like, okay, cool. I like that. And then it's like, and now here's the next thing that you're gonna want. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, like I want that thing. And then here's the next thing, right? So it's like guiding you through that. And so the way that you do that is like, the first page they might land on, just as an example, could be like, hey, like we were talking about earlier, opt in, give me your email address and I'll give you some free beats. And that page is very simple. That's the only thing they can do on that page is basically give their email address for some free beats. There's only one call to action. There's only one action that they can take. So it's like that thing of like, you're taking by the hand and you're walking them through this process. So it's very like smooth and like, okay, cool. And now on this next page, hey, let me introduce myself. Like my name's Gabe, I've been making beats for this long, blah, blah, blah. So glad you got those free beats. Like, um, and now I wanna make you this, you know, this very special offer. And then the only thing they can really do on that page is, is buy that special offer. Cause that's the next thing in the sequence that I want them to do, and it's the next thing that's gonna be valuable to them to do. And then and then you can just keep going on that, like, okay, cool, now they bought that thing, now here's the next page, here's the next thing they're gonna see. Um, and then you can tie in messaging, like emails and messenger and stuff around it, but that's that's pretty much the concept. Does that does that make sense? Am I yep, explaining yeah, that? Yep, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great explanation, actually. Yeah. And do you wanna, uh, uh, tell people about Russell Brunson and yeah, because <laughs> well, I think that's easy. Like I would say, actually, just dot com secrets is like the easiest place to start. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Read dot com secrets. It's a book by Russell Brunson. So Russell Brunson is like definitely like I'm deep into the cult of Russell Brunson. He's got a tattoo he showed me on his chest. Right here. I might as well. It's a, it's a heart and it says Russell. I <laughs> might as well. Um, no, because I feel like most of what I've done, most of the success I've had is is basically directly applying his concepts. But yeah, so Russell Brunson is a guy, he owns this company called ClickFunnels, which is a software that most people are building funnels on, um, I would say, or whatever. It's one of the most popular, let's say that. Um, and he's sort of made 
funnel is his thing, right? So it's not he didn't invent the concept of sales funnel, but he's definitely the guy, in my opinion, who's really popularized yeah, it. Yeah, if really I think of funnels, it. I think of Russell Brunson for right? sure. Yeah. Which is a great branding thing yeah. that he's done, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so basically his whole ph- – this is a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about. Basically, if I say anything that's smart, it's probably because I'm just repeating something that Russell <laughs> said, honestly. Um, so like that, this whole concept of funnels, the whole concept of putting together an, um, you know, a true offer as opposed to a commodity, which you can get into – um, you know, all this kind of stuff, a lot of it that I am applying to selling beats is because I learned from Russell and I saw other people applying those things in different industries and then started applying it to selling beats online. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I mean, uh, com secrets is a fire book for everybody yep. listening right now. Like it's a, so you, you get the, you actually get to see a funnel live when you actually buy the book. So the book's free, but you pay $7, $8 shipping, handling, whatever it is. That's an intense funnel. He'll up, first, upsell you one click upsell, um, oh, yeah. two different things. You don't have to buy all the upsells just throwing out there. The book is valuable itself. And is it worth that? $70 shipping and handling. Like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably sure. be the best investment you guys are listening to. Just like read through the book. It's Dude. It'll teach you all the basics. Dude, I, was of ju- of I just about. ordered that shit like yeah. three days ago just to, to go through, through his funnel, funnel again. Dude, I've <laughs> bought that book probably seven times. So have I. Just, just to I go through just the funnel. Just to go through yeah. the funnel. Because me, me and Drew are writing a book. So we're Dope. like looking a lot at like the different free book funnels and stuff. We're like, okay, cool. Dope. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Dude, I think, uh, you know, what's funny is that I think the, the problem a lot of producers have who are trying to make money selling beats is, is that if you look at what their, their pages are all about, their pages are, or social media content, whatever, it's all about they're posting a beat saying, DM me if you want to buy it or who wants to buy beats. You know, it's constantly asking for that conversion right. rather than doing here's the free stuff and that relationship building to walk them down the path to like actually liking and trusting you enough to purchase stuff, you know, long-term become a great customer. And I think that's what you've done a great job of is master this funnel to take those customers from who the fuck is this Gabe guy in Legion Beats to like, wow, I love them. They gave me some awesome stuff to like, wow, I'm going to spend a lot of money with them, especially like Black Friday and all these awesome things, you know? Yeah, no, exactly right. Do you see any other things that you see a lot of newer producers making mistakes, like classic mistakes online with selling beats and, and you think that's why they're not successful that maybe, you know, they could improve on? Um, I would say for sure just the mindset of like focusing on marketing is super important um, where I feel like, um, you know, like you got into this because you want to make beats, right? So like I get that. But like if you want to make a living doing this, if you want to make a career out of this, if you want to build a business around this, then you have to focus some of your time learning how to build a business, how to make a career out of it, how to make money doing it. So I feel like um, learning to just kind of embrace that mindset of, of actually doing that is like one of the biggest things and not not only folk like hone your craft like if your beats suck like none of this is going to work right so to me that's just like obvious but like um yeah just having that mindset of like learning about this stuff and not being afraid to try different things not being tried to uh, afraid to fail like you guys mentioned earlier like just try different stuff see what works double down on what works and then just you know skip the stuff that doesn't so uh we've been talking about click funnels and stuff if somebody's just starting selling beats should they start with click funnels you think or do you think they should start with beat stars yeah so that's a that's an interesting question so i would say start with click funnels which is uh pretty controversial i would agree <laughs> I, was, I would agree you agree 100 yeah you have more freedom yeah. to like really do and you got to get started on that at some point you got to start fucking up with that and seeing what's what's working and what's not remember period. how bad our first uh, funnel yeah, page but that's fine we were doing day. funnels that's worked. the whole point yeah, yeah. Still, literally it was actually off of russell brunson's funnel we were like okay yeah let's try to sell more packs you know on the mm-hmm. way out and it worked and i mean I mean, our last our last product launch we did, we made like 40 Gs just off one of the upsells. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and just absolutely. alone. Like, if we didn't add that one piece, we would add 40 less grand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, bro. There's so many things where, like, 
if I didn't, like we're talking about order form bumps, like if I didn't add this order form bump, if I didn't add this upsell, if I didn't add this one thing that I added a year ago or two years ago, like I would, I would have hundreds of thousands of less dollars. I would have made way less money, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but yeah, no, that's actually what, you know, we, we've got this, uh, this course that we made for producers that, uh, me and Anno Domini, the guy I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. was one of the first dudes doing it. Like we, we created this course teaching producers how to do this. And literally exactly what we say is, that is one of the first things is like, don't even worry about BeatStars and stuff for now. Like that's a great, like to me, BeatStars and, and Airbit and SoundGen and all that stuff is like a great lead generation tool, especially BeatStars because they actually have a marketplace where mm-hmm. they'll bring you new customers because yeah. there's rappers that will go to BeatStars and they'll check the charts and stuff and they'll find you there. Mm-hmm. But to me, like the point of that is now to bring them in as a lead and now I get them in my funnel. So that's the whole point of that. Mm-hmm. So I want to have my funnel set up first because that's actually where I'm, where all the magic happens. That's where I'm collecting the lead. That's where I'm like actually, um, you know, getting them to to buy, you know, these these higher value products and stuff, and, and developing that relationship. I, I got a question. So, I mean, we've had a lot more success, you know, after building Cymatics in terms of like networking and stuff. How has like the old ver the old way of you going for placement stuff versus this new way you've built this business? You're kind of killing you're killing it online. Um, you got a big team now. How has that helped you build relationships and network in the industry? Do people see you a different way? Do, is it easier? You know what I'm saying? Like, what about that end? Wait, sorry. So you're saying like as far as because like I had that background? Yeah, well, Legion Beats like versus like doing it the old school way because a lot of people are just uh, DMing and stuff. But now you got this like sweet platform. You're killing it. And how has that played a role in connections, like meeting people in the industry? Yeah, I mean, it's made a big difference. I mean, obviously, like the fact that I'm here, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. you know, you guys hit me up because I've had some success here, right? Um, so like that, that's something that's made all the difference. And actually, um, something that I think a lot of people focus too much on is like, you know, there's like, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And like, there's something to that. Absolutely. Like you have to like connect with the right people at a certain point. But I feel like people use that as an excuse where it's like, oh, if only I had the right team, if only I knew the right people. But here's the thing, like if I ran into you five years ago before I knew all this kind of stuff, like that connection would be worthless right like what like I, I wouldn't be here doing this podcast right yeah. so I had to learn the what first as far as like the not what you know you know not who you know it's or yeah whatever it's not mm-hmm. what you know it's who you know like I had to learn all that what like I'm re- now I'm good at you know getting leads getting conversions getting sales like how to build all this kind of stuff and that's where now the networking actually comes in so like that would be something I would say like never use that as an excuse like get good at doing the stuff and then the networking comes from that because now I have something to offer. Like there's value for both of us to do this, right? Yeah, 100%. So. No, I think that's awesome. And, and the same for us. Like now, it's funny, back in the day, like reaching people was kind of hard. Now it's like one DM. It's like, boom. Like the DM rate, the amount of people that just get, I get a simple response for just DMing, even if I'm in their message request, it's crazy. Right. And people are down to fly out and come to like get on the show and do all kinds of stuff, you know? Totally. Um, so I noticed you have tons of different services on your site, like obviously mixing and mastering. And I saw, I'm actually looking at it right now, like yeah. uh, studio time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that work with studio time? And like, how could somebody get into offering studio time for an artist? Yeah, that's really been kind of a separate business in a way. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of brick and mortar, you know, having an actual recording studio. And it's something that I've had for a long time. Um, and so as far as how to get into it, I mean, really to me, that started with like, being at my dad's house and having a little setup in his living room and just people coming through. And eventually it got enough demand that I was like, okay, cool. I can actually pay rent on a little actual studio spot. Um, and now I can, you know, start bringing clients through. And, and it just kind of started from 
working with artists like pretty organically of just like, hey, do you want to you know record some stuff? And for me, it was like I always felt like I was a producer first, but really I would do a ton of engineering, and that would a lot of times create the opportunities as a producer because like it's much easier to say, hey, do you want to come do some recording? Do you want to do you want me to do some mixing and mastering for you or whatever? And then from there, be like, hey, you want to listen to some beats? Yeah, you know what I mean? No, so it's that like, makes sense. That makes sense. It's great. And by the way, here's another one too. Like if you're if you are playing the placements game, you're trying to get placements. Like, like knowing the artist, of course, is the best, right? Knowing the manager, the A and R, all that stuff is cool. But really, like the best is to know their engineer. That's the dude who's mm. playing the beats for them when they're like, okay, let me, let's skip through some, through some beats, right? Like pull up my email, pull up whatever. Like the engineer is the dude who's playing those beats most of the time when they're in the studio, when they're actually going to write and record. So, like, if you're trying to get placements with an artist, like, getting good with their engineer, that's, like, the number one connection you can make because they're the ones who are actually going to play the beats and they're the ones who are actually going to make it happen. Yeah, I saw uh, Mike Will the other day talking about when he was just showing up to every studio in Atlanta, like, every day, just trying to get in there, talk to people, whatever. And totally. did, did you do that back in the day a lot? Not a lot. I mean, to me, we had a studio where... Um, it became kind of well known in the Bay Area as mm -hmm. one of the like premier hip hop spots. So we so we actually had a lot of people coming to us, which was great. Um, so so it was more on that end. And then you know some I do a little bit of traveling and networking and stuff, but I was never really like super deep into that game or great at that. But it kind of worked out for me that um, since we had built a little bit of a reputation in the area, that they were actually just coming through to my studio. Do you think that's still a viable strategy, just going out and trying to network? face-to-face -face with at studios and stuff um, if you're able to get in there I don't know it's not something I've done <laughs> in a long time so I don't know I'm sure like I feel like I've heard those stories you know where it's just like like hey if you really if that's the thing you want to do and you want to get those placements with those artists and stuff then mm -hmm. being in the room with them is is key for sure so like if you can figure out how to do that then yeah absolutely that would be super key. all but right guys we just had some technical difficulties it looks like at 45 minutes we had lost footage which is very sad because uh, Gabe shared the golden truth on making money in the music. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we're going to go back and go through. Drew actually had to leave. Uh, he's actually, his wife is due up for a kid any day. So uh, he's on a pretty tight time crunch. But I was like, fuck it, dude. We got 300 questions from the Semax community. We'll just get back rolling. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, guys, if you do go find uh, Jordan and Alex, who work for us on, um, on, or on Instagram, feel free to go over there, drop some poop emojis on their page. <laughs> I think they'll get it. Um, but yeah, let me go ahead and first uh, start off by just diving into the community here and see what we can Let's muster up, man. I'm ready. Dude, I think even like people listening to this podcast up until this point, man, they don't... I think that a whole new door, a whole new door has been opened up in terms of like, wait, you can do, like, you can do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's an sure. actual viable thing. And uh, no, I think it's good. Um... Cool. So let's keep started. Get started here. Um, how do you know if you're adding too much to a beat? I think that's kind of an important thing. Um, if you're asking that, you probably are. <laughs> like that was like that was like a big thing for me for like years was like um, putting too much in my beats. Like for sure, it's such an easy mistake to make because usually the best beats almost every time is the ones with less in it. Simple, right? It's almost every single time. And so like for me. Uh, especially like I mentioned earlier, my production partner, Nate, like he's like amazing on the keys. He plays a million instruments. He's like deep into music theory and stuff. And so we'd be like, oh, play more, like add more and be like this crazy epic, like all these instruments, all this crazy stuff. And it was like, 
to be honest, it would be like kind of intimidating to an artist. Like we're not making instrumental music. We're making music, for, you know, for us specifically, we're making music to get rappers and singers on. So like they'd hear it and they'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. But like, where do I fit yeah. in there? <laughs> you know? And so, and chances are like, if you, if you think back to like, what are your favorite songs and you listen to it, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like there's only like three sounds in there. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the time, not every single time, but more often than not. Um, so the quick answer is, yeah, probably if you're already asking that question, you're putting too much stuff in there. Um, and it becomes just super important again about the sound selection, you know, and just making sure that every single melody, every single little thing that you're putting in there is super dope and, and spending the time on it. And way better to have, you know, the drums and like three sounds that are amazing than trying to like cover it up with more sound till it sounds good. Like that's not gonna work. Dude, EDM guys have that problem so much, man. Like I think that was one of the biggest things for me. Actually, when I started making lo-fi, yeah, it simplified my all my music because I was like, oh wait, you know what I'm saying they're just using like some basic elements and it sounds incredible, you know, and it's not needing to like overcomplicate everything and have so much like automation on every little thing. I remember back in the day making drops, it was just like so much little detail that it got me in that mindset of just adding, 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 yeah. and then lately for me the same thing, just been subtracting stuff and seeing what what can actually come out of like that, you know. Totally. Uh, plus, I mean the the singer is a lead. You know what I'm saying? So if you're throwing exactly. leads in there, taking over, like what, where are they, you know, like you said, where are they going to go? Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. Um, have you ever been shocked at who ends up buying your beats online? Cause I know that's kind of an automated process. You're kind of looking like, Oh, we got some sales today, all that kind of stuff. Or you ever like see some big names? You're like, Oh shit, this, this um, guy or girl's buying? A little bit. I've had like, you know, stuff where like uh little boozy's manager like hit us up because we were on the charts on uh, i think it was beat stars or maybe it was even SoundClick at the time or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah so i've definitely had a couple of those where like they're they're looking like a lot of times like the bigger you know uh some of the bigger artists and stuff or at least their management teams and stuff are checking the online stuff so yeah we've had a couple of those yeah that was sick what about um making your beats more interesting um i think making my beats more interesting i guess <sighs> I don't want to say sound selection again because I feel like I've said that so many times, but it's so important, like like making every sound count, like being like, okay, this is like this sound is the thing that makes it interesting. You know what I mean? This sound works on its own, like. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess just just making sure you have dope stuff and just keeping it fresh. I I don't know. Yeah, and what uh, what's some of your go tos right now in terms of like plugins and stuff? Uh, plugins. So like as far as sounds, we've been using Silent a lot. That's pretty much like the main thing that I use. I really honestly need to get off of Silent because I, I feel like I've just <laughs> used it so much. Are you an um, Omnisphere fan? Yeah, I like Omnisphere. I need to get it actually on my current computer. I actually don't have it on there, but I'm going to, I'm going to get it on there soon. So yeah, I like Omnisphere. Um, it's always the last thing you install if you have to reinstall a bunch of things, you know? Cause dude, I, cause I just got my new laptop and I've installed everything. I'm like Omnisphere. I'm like, Oh, I got to do this like 600 gig download or something crazy like that. It's huge. Yeah. No. Um. No. I think that's important. Uh, do, a lot. Do you do a lot of sound design? Like when you're making your beats no, and stuff. No. I'm not. I'm not super deep on the sound design. For me, I'm more on the side of like, let me find the shit that sounds cool already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then tweak yeah. it a little bit. But that's for me. That's that's not. That was never so much my strength or my interest. Um, mm -hmm. But I have people on my team, so like I'll have you know people on my team who will put together like loops or, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They'll send it to me, and then I'll get in the studio. I'll make some drums with it and work with Nate to play some keys on it. So like a lot of that to me, I think, is knowing what your strengths are and what's your what's like your genius zone or whatever. Like what are you interested in doing, and then and then working with other people to fill in the other spots Dude. or like just get some dope cymatic sounds. Like maybe that's, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then maybe you're dope at creating the drums to so create the drums around it or, you know, vice versa or whatever. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I'm the same way. Cause like for me, like I'm not passionate about sound design like Drew, 
So Drew's like the most technical producer like out there. You know what I'm saying? He's he's like tweaking everything like perfectly using all these different plugins and stuff. For me, I'm just like, okay, I just want to like sample shit. But a lot of times I like by sampling stuff, I'm taking like a little vocal, I'm chopping it up. And almost all my techniques are just sample based, which I mean, I guess it's kind of sound design, but like not really at the same time, kind of just figuring out how to how to get by, I guess, you know? Totally. Yeah. Are you, so are you doing uh, Legion Beats? Did you find, uh, are you the only founder or did you have a co-founder? Yeah, it's interesting. So like when I first started, I was partnered up with a dude named Phil, who's still on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually back in the day, we used to go by the Slap Boys. And that was like, Slap Boys. Yeah, you should go like, back to Slap Boys. Bro, that's like, it's back. like some Bay Area terminology. I feel like now people, like, do you know that term slap? No. Like, oh, it's a slapper? Okay, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. So like people don't know. I feel like now people kind of know it, but we were like the Slap Boys. And like in the Bay, it's like, oh yeah, you make slappers, like you make slaps. Like everybody knows that really? terminology. Yeah. Um, and then we'd start traveling and stuff and people look at us funny, like, what does that mean or whatever? So then yeah. we, we changed our name to the Legion, but, um, basically like Phil, he ended up, um, kind of moving down to LA and kind of doing his own thing, always working together and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I sort of started building this new thing. So technically Legion, um, you know, I'd be the CEO of, of Legion. And then we have this whole team of people that, that all work together. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's super interesting. Um, do you think it's necessary to move to LA? Cause a lot of people think they need to go out there. You're out in Bay area. I'm in the suburbs of Atlanta. I'm not even in the city, you know what I'm saying? But I think a lot can happen. But what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've partly answered the question, right? We're both, you know, I'm I'm in the Bay, you're out here, like, and we're doing pretty well. (laughs) You know, we're doing (laughs) fine. So so the answer, so definitely short answer is no. Partly depends on what you want to do. Like, if your whole thing is, hey, I'm trying to get placements, like, um, it's super important to be yeah, yeah. It, it's important. You want to try to get in the room with those guys as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to try to get in good with their engineers. You want to get in good with the artists. You want to be at the studio. Like if that's what your thing is, is getting placements, like it's going to help to be there. So being in LA or, or Atlanta, like maybe mm-hmm. downtown Atlanta or wherever, yeah, yeah. like wherever the studios are um, or New York or whatever. So like if that's the game you really want to play, then it, it makes sense to move to LA. Um, but if you're doing like what I'm doing, which is more focused on the internet side, then it doesn't really matter. Like you can do that from anywhere. Dude, and, and you know what's funny? Even of how much success you've had, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even you know how much success other people have had doing even something similar to what you're doing. Yeah, I still think it's wide open. There's still so many customers and so much opportunity to get in and start playing the game. And I think it's growing by the every day. Absolutely. There's more singers, there's more rappers, there's more like even other producers that still buy beats and do all kinds of stuff. And I think that that's a cool thing about this space and even doing it in this direction. And I, I still think it's good maybe down the road to kind of go more higher end placement route as a different, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like after it's established, but like, dude, a lot more people, it's like so practical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I made it, I might even loop back around to it. You know, like for me, that's how I started was all trying to get placements. You know, so I might get to where like, okay, cool. Now, now it would be like a cool branding thing. Like if I got a big placement now, it would be like cool for branding or whatever. Like to me, it's not worth it to me to play that game and mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I'm going to put all these beats off to the side where like, to me, I know how much those beats are going to be worth if I actually, you know, Push them. market yeah. them, not to mention my time. Like if I'm focusing on what I'm doing with the, you know, with the funnels and the marketing and all that kind of stuff, if I were to now focus now to like, okay, I'm going to go down to LA. I'm going to like, it would just take so much of my time, but you know, I could see the value in that. Um, but like I said, you know, like we've had stuff where like people hit us up because they see us online, like Boozy's manager hit us up because he saw us there. So like it ends up actually creating those opportunities anyways mm-hmm. to where like I could see it becoming to a point where it's like, yeah, cool. I can start getting some placements and stuff because I built this big thing online. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think um, another thing that I think is kind of interesting is I'm not sure because, you know, you sound like you were making pretty much solo when you were starting Legion Beats in terms of like the funnel side, right? Mm-hmm. Um 
What do you think about people getting a partner? Because, like, dude, me and Drew were like, I can't imagine not having a partner. Like, yeah. going solo, like, not having accountability and stuff, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? It's like the gym. If I don't have a partner, I'm pretty much not going there. That's a yeah. A little jab at Jordan. You got to start <laughs> going to the gym. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or, like, so what do you think about an artist, let's say a producer who's really good listening to this? Um, do you think that it's smart to get a, a partner to help build some of the funnels out? Maybe somebody who like might be better at that side or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's always been a huge part of what I do is teaming up with people. Like, so depending on what that teaming up looks like, you might call it a partner, you might call it something else, but for sure, absolutely. Like finding people who have strengths that complement yours, like, you know, similar vision, but different strengths. Like that's amazing. Like you need that. Like my, my dude, Nate, that I make beats with, like he's an incredible musician. That's what he's devoted his life to basically is honing that craft of, of musicianship. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, and for me, like I like making beats, but like I'm better at some of the other stuff, right? Like the, the drums and picking the sounds and whatever, and like the overall direction. So like when we work together, it's great synergy. Like that, that works, you know, same thing on the business side, right? Like maybe, um, you know, for me, I love doing the, the marketing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, if it wasn't my strength, I'd sure want to find somebody who it was, you know? So whether if that's, if it's in the early stages, it might be a partner mm -hmm. or maybe it's like you hire somebody or whatever, but like it's, I see it both ways too. Cause it, it can be really tough too. Like you have to share that same vision. Otherwise it can be really hard. Cause I have tried to team up with people and partner with people on, on different projects. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works great. And sometimes it just doesn't work because we just have a different direction that we want to go and different things that Dude, we're trying to I do. totally get it. You know, even just recently doing uh, the collab with Son Holo, you know? So one thing we learned is, is that sometimes when you're doing a product with a lot of moving parts and you both got big teams and then of course, if both teams like to check over stuff, it just slows you down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, even though the collaboration was a huge success, you know, uh, one thing that I've learned is, is the part that I loved the most about that was actually uh, all the awesome free shit we did. You know, so mm -hmm. we did a big giveaway. We did the free pack, free workshop. So instantly I thought of that and I was like, man, I would love to ju do just this with as many people as possible because it doesn't take that long to set up all that stuff, right? Yeah. Guess what? I instantly hit up as many people as possible and all of a sudden we got four or five brand deals coming in weekly because I can keep going, keep this going, you know? Right. And uh, in my opinion, the best collaborations are sometimes the ones that are lightweight, easy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like this, I want us to grow like fucking crazy. I'm yeah. trying to, I want, I want the wholesome ass community to be like, dude, Gabe's fucking awesome. This guy, I, I heard about him on the show and he's a beast, you know? Yeah, man. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. I love, I, I'm loving this. Like I love doing this. I love talking to you about this kind of stuff and I love seeing like how you're setting all this stuff up. Is it a lot different than, than the way you guys operate? Yeah, there's differences. There's similarities. I mean, we've got, you know, for us too, we've got a, a location where we're all working out of, or some of us are working out of, and then mm -hmm. we've also got partly the remote team. Mm -hmm. Um, certainly like content wise, like you guys are way more dialed in and have a strategy than we do. Like we've been really? like working on it kind of, we're like, okay, we kind of have this idea of like we shoot a video and then we kind of do all these different things with it, but we don't we don't really have like that system down super well. So I'm like learning a Dude, lot. My, he's in the other room right now, chopping the first half of the podcast already. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. So like that that piece of it for sure of like getting better at that, and also even putting the emphasis on it is something that you know mm -hmm. I need to do a lot more of for sure. Um, so yeah, some some similarities, some differences as far as what I've seen so far as of how you guys are working. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of full when you're talking. What would you call it? A huddle? Is that what you call it? Yeah. That? So we'll do like a. So we do we do. Five days a week we do meetings called a, a daily huddle. We call it mm -hmm. a daily huddle where it's just like super quick, just, you know, basically we do a couple things. One is like 
Um, we check in on a couple, uh, we call them like our critical numbers, like what are some of our, like our biggest stats that are most important to us as a company. Like these are like our North Star guiding lights. Like if we're, if we're doing this well, then we, we're pretty sure everything, like for us it would be like... KPIs pretty much. Yeah, KPIs, exactly. So like on the Legion Beat side, it's like, hey, how many inner circle members do we have? Like that's our main thing. Like that's, you know, how many signed up today, how many canceled, whatever. Like that's like one of the big things. We might have, you know, beat pack sales, we might have leads, whatever, like stuff like that. So everybody knows, okay, here's the scoreboard, here's how we're doing. That way everybody knows like on the team what does winning look like to me that's so important like everybody needs to know what winning looks like otherwise they don't they don't know right so then it's like it's hard to have wins if you don't know what winning looks like so you have to tell them like hey this is what we're shooting for this is what we're going for cool bam um and then another i could go off on all kinds of stuff on this but like with with setting those targets too is like as the entrepreneur, as the visionary, as the, you know, like your position, like you might have these really, really far, like huge goals, right? Mm -hmm. And for you and for me, it might be like, hey, if we state this huge goal and like we come halfway to it, we might be like, okay, cool, that was great. Like we did pretty good. Like, you know, now it's the next one. But like, I feel like for the team, it's super important to set targets that we can hit. And then you hit that target, you run through that target, and then you hit the next one. And then you hit the next one because you have that momentum of actually they feel Having what winning looks wins. like. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then and that's how you end up hitting those big ones is because you ran through each one like to get there. No, you know that's what I mean? awesome. Dude, what so what are some KPIs? Let's say somebody's getting started, they're like, yo, this next six months to a year, I'm gonna be doing nothing but selling beats through funnels. What are some KPIs they should keep track of? And by the way, key performance indicators that you're doing well uh, with your beat selling business. Like if you're just getting started, one person what would you suggest yeah for sure so the first thing you're going to have you know if you're kind of following the model that i talked about earlier and we're going to get into i think on on this workshop is like um you're going to want them to opt in right so you're going to want you're going to have like a page that says hey in exchange for your email address we're going to give you some freebies or something like that so the first thing you want to know is what's the percentage of people that see that page that actually opt in right and you're and you're shooting for really for us probably somewhere around 50 percent or so and opt opt in means they put in their email and they downloaded the thing Yep, exactly right. And so like, we know if it's 25%, okay, there's something wrong here. There's something wrong with this page. There's something wrong with the offer. There's something we need to tweak here, right? So that's the first thing. Then it's like, okay, on the next page, for for us example, like we're giving them this kind of special offer. So it's like, okay, what percentage of people who saw this page bought this special offer? You know, and it's anywhere from one to 5% or something, let's say, is what we're shooting for. So then we kind of look at, cool, what percentage are we at there? Mm -hmm. And then from there, the next offer they're gonna see is, for us, it's our membership. So cool. What percentage of people who opt in signed up for their membership? You know, and then, yeah. and so you can look at total leads. You can look at the percentages. Um, you can look at like for us, we want to know how many active members we have and how many signups we had and how many cancellations we had. So those are those are some of the big ones for sure. Um, when they first yeah. launch, do they need to have every piece of that, or what do you think about just putting out the free stuff just to get started in collecting emails? You know? Yeah. No, for sure. Um, when you're when you're first starting, I would say yeah, just look at those just just trying to get opt-ins, you know, trying to get leads, trying to get people on your list and just looking at what those numbers are. If that was the one number you watched for six months, you know, the growth you'd have would be crazy because that's whatever you focus on, that's Expands. what's gonna that's yeah. what's gonna grow. Like it's just it's just like how the world works. So like if you focus on, okay, I know what I need to do is get leads, I need to get people to opt in and you're checking that every day, cool, I got two opt-ins today, I got five opt-ins today, I got 20, oh, I got 100, I got 1,000 today, like whatever it is, if you're watching that number, you're gonna focus on it, you're gonna put your attention to it, and it's gonna grow. So I would start with that one for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. I think that that was me and Drew in the early stage. We're like looking, like how can we get an extra, we got 50, yes, that thing thing I put out, got this, you know what I'm saying? Trying literally everything, and and, uh, like I was saying before, it was that Walmart 
you know, I recorded 400 plus samples at Walmart, random sounds like screwdrivers, this and that. And it was the copywriting on the title that made it go to the top of Reddit, like almost guaranteed. And then we did the same thing for Home Depot, right? Hey, I went to Home Depot and recorded 400 plus, you know, like used a formula. Nice. And we just started drilling. We were getting like 2,000 opt-ins. We're like, fuck yeah, this is incredible, you know? Yeah. And I think playing that game is super important. I think that, um, dude, you know what's funny is that I've even done some super lightweight stuff that doesn't revolve around building whole pages and stuff like for people to help them out you know the little thing that you can ask questions on instagram mm-hmm. um i say i literally will tell people say hey just put that little question thing up and say enter your email say hey guys i have this cool thing coming out literally all you gotta do is uh just put your email in this little uh in the little form below or whatever the fuck and mm-hmm. it's just that little ask a question on instagram get the email and say hey i'll email you the fucking free beats i'll email you the free stuff nice the That's most dope. lightweight takes one second. <laughs> like I could set one up right now and get 300 emails. Right. You know, and then and then what I would do is I would start hacking it a little bit, find other audiences, ask them to do that too. Be like, hey, I'm giving out this free thing. Would you mind doing this? You know, I wouldn't mind helping you out in X. You know, smart. Start scaling it out across. But smart. like, dude, even lightweight. Like, dude, most people think that like they spend so much time on building that whole funnel when they, they don't realize they can get started with lightweight stuff and just get moving and then add on pieces to it, you know? Totally. Not to mention with something like that where they're interacting with your story, and you probably know more about this than I do, but like if they interact with that story, if they send you a DM or they reply to it, the Instagram algorithm is going to say, oh, like this person cares about what this person is posting. Exactly. So now all of a sudden your content is going to show up even higher in their feed because they entered their email or they clicked the link or they, they DM'd you or whatever it is. And so now they're seeing your content more. It's getting more engagement from the beginning. More people are going to see it because of that. Instagram's going to be like, oh, this content's interesting. People like it and show it to more people. Well, you know what's funny is that we were talking about engagement. That's why the engagement's important. Right. That. And plus, like, there's a lot of marketing stuff. Like, So that's like the math side. And I yeah. uh, also like to think about like kind of like the artistic side of it. It's like there's also – so this is going to sound like a crazy concept for people listening. You might be able to understand this. So there's KPIs that you and me measure, right? Right. Cost per lead, cost per email, whatever it may be, cost per conversion, how much we're getting back, ROI over time, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's invisible metrics that you cannot measure with numbers, okay? Or, or there's no, they're there, but you can't see them at all, okay? Yeah. So, for example, if I have 300 people come out to a music industry networking event, right? 300, okay, you have ticket sales, but, like, think about, like, when I shook hands with somebody, it's, like, magic moment. How did the fuck do you measure, like, oh, this person had a magic moment? Or somebody downloads one of our packs, or for you, they download one of your beats, and they made the best song they'd ever made. Right. You can't say that's just, that's just downloaded. That's not... This guy had a crazy moment where he made the best songs of his life. And, dude, something I've been thinking about more is like, okay, how do I elicit more of those? And that's why I think of a lot of branding moves, mm-hmm. stuff I can't see. You know what I'm saying? Like working with the sound hold, the artist, bringing you in town. You know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily like, you know, you'll pull more leads than another person or thinking about like that. But I'm like, dude, if they hear this guy, if they hear how this is done, there's going to be honestly four people out of this that now quit their jobs and are able to do something real, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, there's another 30 people that kind of start to play the game and takes them a while. And I think that uh, it's just a weird concept I've been thinking about. A lot of those like magic moments and stuff that happens that you can't measure as a number, but it's still super valuable in building a brand, you know? Totally. It's like the the indirect ROI. It's like the stuff that you can't quite like put your finger on, but it's, it's actually the stuff that really counts. It's actually yeah. the stuff that matters. So yeah, you can kind of look at the numbers to kind of gauge like okay i think maybe out of these hundred thousand views four people are going to quit their job or whatever it is but like you know um so yeah no i think that's super important we try to do something that um helps a little bit i think which is like um when we get testimonials we've done a thing now where like anytime somebody emails us messages us comments something that's really like 
hey, you guys changed my life, something like that. Everybody in the team knows now we screenshot that and we have a Slack channel specifically for that. Oh. And that way it's like, it does a couple things. For one, it keeps morale in the team like, oh, dope, like we're actually doing something here. And it, in a way, it kind of puts a little bit of measurement on that intangible where it's like, hey, if we got 10 of those in a day, then we know we're crushing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not to mention we can now use that stuff. We can post it in our stories. We can, you know, there's, it's great to just gather testimonials anyways. Yeah. Um, you can use it in your, your sales pages, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's one little way that we're kind of measuring that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's just super interesting. That's why I like the live event stuff. Because, you know, I was thinking about how I've gone to different events before. I've gone to conferences. I'm sure you've been to, like, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, what was the last conference you went to? Last one I went to was uh, Funnel Hacking Live. Was that your first one, or have you been to a couple? I've been to a couple. Your first one? Oh, oh what was my first conference? No, 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 but you went to your first Funnel Hacking Live, right? Yeah. So think about that memory. Yeah. You borderline won't forget it even though you're 85. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you'll forget a little sidebar ad that you saw. Absolutely. For damn sure. Uh, five minutes later you see what i'm saying so now i'm like sure. interesting you know that's why i guess a lot of shit i learned from gary and we're trying to bring more into the brand is like think about more like the connection you know yeah. and uh and what we did was we kept all the math shit but then found out like this thing gary was talking about about the art side you know what about that you know what about caring about like some weird shit you know i don't know it's some weird stuff i've been thinking about that has just been helping us a lot you know no, totally makes sense. Yeah. What's your, because uh, I know a lot of people are asking this, and this holds people back a lot mm -hmm. who are just getting started. What's your thoughts on, you know, Ableton versus FL versus Logic versus Pro Tools? Does your DAW matter, and would you recommend a specific one, or what's your thoughts on the whole DAW debate? Yeah, I don't think it matters. I think every it just comes down to, like, how do you use the tool? You know what I mean? Um, personally, I'm making beats on Ableton. I, I really like it. I use Pro Tools when I'm, you know, more on the audio side, like if I'm recording vocals or mixing vocals, um, just because I'm super quick with editing and stuff on there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just me personally. I've used FL Studio. I like, to me, it just get started with something. Like, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, it's how you, there's people who've had a ton of success using every single DAW you just named. So I don't think it matters. Dude, yeah, anybody who says one DAW is better, I'm like, dude, if you think Ableton is the best, I'll show you, like, there's dudes on FL that are monsters. If you think oh, FL is yeah. the best, there's dudes on Ableton that'll blow. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's, there's always somebody who can do something impressive. I mean, dude, I've seen people do impressive stuff with, like, very minimal gear that I've never even seen before. I'm like, holy sure. shit, you know? No, I definitely sure. think. I've, I've made beats in Pro Tools before, which I don't really recommend, but you can. And there's they... people that crush on machine. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, or yeah. Like, a, like, Beats by Jay Black came in, and I was asking him, I was like, do you use a doll even? He's like, no, man, I, I used this. It was like a, uh, what was it, like an MPC something? I forget what oh, it was, yeah, man. Yeah. It was just the wow. whole thing was there. And he just looped everything up and he'd play it. Yeah. And he would take that to shows. And I'm like, dude, this shit's fucking incredible. You know yeah. what I'm saying? doesn't matter. doesn't matter what it is. It's how you use it. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's uh, super valuable. Um, cool. So I'm going to go into maybe one more question here. And then we'll go into talking a little bit about the workshop where we're going to go over a little bit. Great. And then uh, we'll go into the lightning round for Spotify and SoundCloud. Cool. cool. So, um one last question will be good. Um, so I'm trying to think more about the producer who is getting into this because I know that like, I don't care about the people that watched a little bit of this episode and the dipped out or something like that. There's some people that listen to this whole thing and they're like, yes, they're screaming. Yes. I want to get started with this. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think about the best piece of advice that they can do for the next, like what, what should their next year look like differently from what they're doing before? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that would be good. For sure. So I think there's a few things, and forgive me if I if I repeated myself. It's all good. They, <laughs> they need to hear it too. If we already said this, you need to hear it two times, three times, and we may even repeat it again. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Because uh, my bad, I'm not exactly sure yeah, what, no, no, it's what cool. we saved and we didn't miss. But one of the biggest things I think is mindset around the marketing and the business side. We're like, for so many producers, for so many people in music, they think about that side of things, the whole marketing side of things, is like this unfortunate like burden that they have to do to do the mm. thing that they really want to do. And I get that. Like, hey, we got into this because we like doing music. Like, I totally get that. But it's just the reality. If this is what you want to do for your career, then you have to learn this whole side of it. You have to learn the marketing side of it, the, the branding side of it, funnels, like all this kind of stuff. And so to me, the thing that really made the biggest difference was like, once I really embraced that and learned that I actually enjoy that side of it, actually kind of just as much as I love the music side of it, like it's really fun. Um, that's when everything started changing because then it became not like, okay, well, I'm going to do my music and then I guess I have to like spend a little time doing this. It's like, no, like I'm excited about doing both and I can actually be super creative over here on the business side as well. Like it's not just like this tedious thing. It's like, no, I can be like setting up a funnel, setting up a campaign, like all that's like a, a different kind of creativity. Like I'm not saying it's the same thing as making music, but it kind of is like the choreography of a, a well thought out campaign and launch like there's a lot of creativity that goes into it so when you start approaching it from that mindset it changes everything towards like oh this is cool like i just like you do with producers like okay you might start out being like i'm just going to copy this other producer because that's i don't know that's all i know how to do so i'm just going to copy him like same thing with marketing. You might just like copy somebody else and then you're gonna be like, okay, I learned these five different tricks from these five. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create, you know, a beat that takes all these five different things. Same thing in marketing. Now I've learned all these five different like amazing things from different marketers. I'm gonna combine them and put my own little twist on it for my campaign as well. So like to me that that would be the biggest thing is just shifting your mindset to like getting excited about the marketing side and, and putting that time and creativity into it as well. Dude, I learned that exact same thing, man. That's literally what happened to me because me and Drew are producing super hardcore for years, right? Yep. Going in on it. And then what happened for me was, and I can relate with that so much, is I tried to figure out why certain artists were getting featured on big pages, right? Mm -hmm. So I started, D I DM'd like 150 artists. I was like, hey man, by the way, you're kind of, you know, uh, I was like very surprised when you got featured on X channel. I was just wondering, you know, maybe how it happened. I'm just trying to learn a little bit, right? I started collecting all this data. I'm like, okay, how, how can I get on here trying to figure out where the people were finding it? And then I started watching a bunch of behind the scenes video and I saw this one video of Flume and it was Flume at a music conference with his whole team. It's like 12 people. And I was like, whoa, okay. It's not just one guy here. There's 12 people here. And then what I did was I started looking at these music conferences and I started watching a bunch of them. I was like, okay, these are really cool. And then I started talking, listening to the managers and stuff. And then I listened to a marketing conference person because it just kind of dribbled over. And then I kept watching more conferences. And eventually I started listening to marketing conferences all day. And I'm like, holy shit, this is just on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Like searching stuff in. And then I, I remember I was like, holy shit, I can like you know, I can learn some of this stuff and actually use it, you know? And then I was like learning about Google AdWords. I was like paid advertising. Like you, you can do this stuff, like get people to your, and then what happened was I was like, man, I can, you know, if I, if I got $200 from each of my family members that owns a business, I can help run their marketing and then just do music. I was like, this is awesome. And then I was like, wait a minute, I actually like this marketing stuff just as much because in my opinion, what you said about making music, I've said that so much. Like, because like the way you automate an effect, a volume level or something like that is the same way you automate a task. 
know what I'm saying? You automate totally. something, you learn. The same way you're you're trying out a bunch of different stuff, you find what works, and then you use that in a song. Uh, whatever's like the best part of it is the same way you try different ideas, you know, or even content creation. You know what I'm saying? Like shit like this, it's like the same thing. Even a a product launch is the same way you do a build up into a drop. And I think that the second you stop looking at like what you said as like some sort of mundane task that you're some imaginary manager one day is going to solve for you. You know what I'm saying? I think that when you start looking at like an art form, you start treating it like a, a passion, like your music, you start discovering stuff. And then that's when a lot of people have success is because that missing link finally enters the realm of their project, you know, 100%. Yeah. Dude, fire. That's a great way to, to end off here. And I want to go into talking about the actionables for the workshop. Yeah. Okay, so we had talked about it earlier, how to make your first $1,000 selling beats. It's going to be a free workshop. He's going to go over kind of what you need to get started because if you listen to this and you're even remotely interested, I mean, this is easily one of the most practical ways to make money selling beats. And not only that, it's a great skill. So if you're even trying to do other stuff, I would say like mixing mastering services, all that stuff, you can use these concepts um, and build upon them. So uh, we're going to be doing a workshop and he's going to be covering all the basics. So be sure to check that out. And uh, two other things. One, would you like to give a plug? Yeah, for sure. So um, check us out. So if you're you know, a producer looking to sell more beats, we've got, uh, you can check out legionproducers.com. It's kind of where we're sharing some of that information. And um, you can also follow at Legion Beats is kind of our main account as far as, especially if you're like a rapper or singer, but um, we post up content there for producers as well. And then if you're a rapper, artist, singer, you want some free beats, you want to see what we're doing, go to legionbeats.com slash free. We'll hook you up with some free beats. You'll get to see our whole funnel that we talked about. And if you're a producer or anybody learning how to sell stuff, go to legionbeats.com slash free, opt in, look at what we're doing, and then model after it for your business. That's well. a great piece of advice because that's that's the best way to learn is just go, go literally opt into other people's stuff and see what they're doing. It's like the best thing. For sure. Cool. All right, guys. So we have a giveaway going on. I feel like... Talking so much about beats, we got to get the classic KRKs here. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we got a pair of KRK fives, and uh, the giveaway is pretty simple. I think there was a lot of value in this entire podcast, and uh, and or at least before we switch over. But um, what I want to say was, all you have to do is comment your favorite part. What was the most insightful thing that Gabe said in here that you absolutely loved? We would also really appreciate timestamps in the podcast. That would be awesome. And, um, and yeah, guys, just drop a comment on the YouTube video and you will have a chance to win a pair of these care We're actually announcing a bunch of winners soon. So, um, yeah, make sure you enter. Um, cool. So now we're going to be going into the Spotify and the SoundCloud portion. And I've realized something that I didn't ask you about, or we yeah. didn't talk about that. I want to share in that section, All right. which I'm is excited. some of the secret sauce, which is Facebook ads. Okay. Great. We didn't talk shit about Facebook ads oh. and you're a fucking wizard. The whole I'm, thing. I'm also a wizard. I'm a sage. I don't know if those are different <laughs> things. So two two wizards and a wizard and a sage talking about Facebook ads and some of the black magic back there. Um, so I want to ask a couple questions about that. But anyways, we are going to the audio portion now. Cool, dude. Fire, man. Dope. Great, man. Just like that, came right back. Bam. Told you guys. Nothing. We would have never gotten that yeah. if we didn't lose the other stuff. That's what no. I'm saying. We're we're no. good. I knew it would come back out. I knew it would come back out. All right, let's go into the. Uh, Spotify section. So, like I said, Facebook ads. We didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck we didn't. Like, talk about an important piece of funnels, important piece of the whole process, understanding a little bit, like, organic traffic is awesome, guys, but the people who say Facebook ads are fake and these are just fake likes and all that shit, you're fucking way wrong. You're probably watching this because you bumped into one of the Facebook ads, okay? It's one of the most powerful platforms. The fact that if I want to target every single person who uses FL Studio, also likes Beyonce, and also lives in the state of Georgia, specifically, I can get you down to a zip code. And if you're a male or female, certain age group, like Facebook is incredible. 
Um, cool. So, uh, spending money on Facebook ads, what do you think is a good way for people to get started? Well, so here's the thing. To me, in order to get to the point where you're ready to spend money on Facebook ads, mm -hmm. you need to have something set up to send them to, right? So I feel like one mistake that people make is like, well, I have nothing. Let me start with an ad. And it's like, okay, well, you got to have some goal in mind. Like, you know, at the very least, it's probably getting people to opt in, like to give you their email address mm -hmm. or opt in through Messenger or, or, or text. They, so you get them on some kind of list. Um, maybe even just you want them to watch a piece of content, but if it's that, like you should have some plan for after that. Like maybe that's what your ad is for to get them to watch that content. There's gotta be something down the line. There's gotta be some kind of funnel or something where eventually you're gonna see a return on that investment, right? If you're just spending money to just get views on your music video and you have no kind of plan after or that. Or strategy of all time. Yeah, you're, then, then you are wasting money. And I think that's probably why maybe some artists think that it is a waste of money. So that's the first thing is make sure that where you're sending them is you've got some kind of funnel, something set up where you're, where you've got some kind of plan with that. And hopefully something where you're going to see a return on that investment. So for example, if you're selling beats, like, you know, Hey, I've got this ad that I'm running. That's getting people to give me their email address or opt in through messenger in exchange for, let's say some free beats or whatever it is. Um, now you've got a whole plan from there, right? Which we'll talk about deeper in the workshop of like, cool, where do you take from there? How do you get them to actually spend some money? And then what happens is you can start looking at your numbers and then you know, okay, for every person who clicks the link on this ad, this percentage of people give me their email address. And for every person who gives me their email address, this percentage of people buys. And now from there, you can figure out the math of like, what is it worth it to me for every person who clicks. And then you start looking in Facebook and then it's like, it's, this is where the magic is. You just start looking like, okay, this is what it cost me per click or this is what it cost me per opt-in. And as long as that number is lower than um, the amount of money you're gonna make from it, now you can scale that up as much as you want. Are you making, so if you spend a hundred bucks, are you making the money back instantly or is it like over the course of a week or two or a month? How, how is your return on investment when you're spent? It depends on the strategy we're doing. So usually what we're doing for the most part, if it's like year round, it's not in the middle of the launch is, you know, what I've kind of been talking about of like, Hey, get, let's say five free beats, you know, click mm -hmm. the link or whatever they opt in. And then they're usually seeing an offer right away. Usually it's like a $20 offer, something like that. And so for me, I usually, I'm trying to about break even there. If I can be profitable from there, then I'm golden because- Then you grow for free. Yeah, then you grow for free. Now you've got, not only are you growing your email list, you're growing your customer list, which people underestimate. Like, like people are like, mm -hmm. you don't, they don't understand the value. If you can, if you spend $20 and you get somebody to buy a $20 product, that's like, amazing. You should be so happy. Because they'll buy more stuff in the future. They'll buy more stuff from you in the future. They're on your list and they're a buyer. They Once they're a buyer, it's so like to get somebody to go from zero to $1 as far as giving you money is so much harder than $1 to $100 or even $1,000. Like once they're a buyer, like now they now they trust you. Now they're in, right? And mm -hmm. and hopefully it, it needs to be set up this way. Whatever you sold them was was quality, right? And that way they're going to want to buy the next thing. So that, that hopefully goes without saying. Um, and then from there, it just becomes like, okay, cool. I broke even, or I made some money right there. Now I'm going to offer them my membership. Now I'm going to have these launches later where they're on my list. All of that is going to be, you know, profit off of the ads. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And also, also guys, I think some important note is you're, you're probably going to lose money at first. Yeah. Like you, you got to be willing to invest, you know, even 50 bucks a month, $5 a day, $3 a day, like start playing the game, be willing to lose money for six months, three months, try out different shit. Because once you do hit, you know, you know what you're doing and you're dangerous. You know, you're making cash for, you're making wealth for a lifetime 
at the cost of losing for a little bit, you know? Dude, I started with five bucks a day. Yeah. I was doing little cheesy ads. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but people kept seeing them. So I was like, cool, I'm going to keep running these. Yep. <laughs> you for know? Sure. For sure. Yeah. You have to be willing to, to lose some money up front for sure. Yeah. No, I definitely think that's a, um, that's definitely a thing. And uh, are you doing um, swipe up ads, you said, or no? Uh, so I am doing at you know you can you can select multiple placements. So I have stuff that's not necessarily built specifically for that uh, format that is showing up in Facebook Stories. I tried. I was I telling you this. I tried I some wait. very specific like you know like swipe up ads where I built it vertically and it had all this thing. But and I'm pretty sure you have this, a graphic designer building it though. That's literally exactly what it was, and it, even, and it was even, super slick. I don't even have like, a graphic designer. Yeah, it was like swipe up for these free beats, and it was like this moving graphic of like the artist type beat or whatever, and and it sucked. I did not get a good return on my investment on those. Dude. But I think you're gonna teach me how to do it. Best right. ads are like, <laughs> dude, literally like selfie video, like yo, what's up? Right. Swipe up. Right. <laughs> cool shit. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. weird how like, dude, the amateur stuff is so much more attractive, man. People are attracted to real more than they are like over-processed stuff, you know? Yeah. It, no, it's true. And and it makes sense. Like, it makes sense to me, especially something like stories where, like, they're swiping through and the, and what they're seeing from their friends is them doing the little selfie videos, right? Yeah. So if all of a sudden they see this super slick thing that's like, oh, commercial break. Let me skip through yeah. it. Yeah. They're, bl they're blind to it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dude, that's the biggest problem artists have. Those stupid artistic photos do poor Piss right. poor across every single social. The visualizers that 90% of artists believe is marketing were the things reacting to your fucking music. They spend all their time on that. I'm like, bro, you could have posted a selfie video, told your story, talked about why you're passionate about music, and, and people would vibe with it so much more than your little thing reacting to your music. Big deal. Looking right. cool and performing well are two different things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's a mistake people make. Definitely. For Definitely. sure. Mistake I was making, but not anymore. Now you Tommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, looking cool? No, no, no. Just it's like specifically with that swipe up story. Don't oh, have it be slick. Have it be. And it totally yeah. makes sense. Dude, your graphic designer is like hearing this. And he's like, fuck, man, <laughs> this guy's telling me he doesn't need a graphic designer. <laughs> I use PicMonkey. I do a lot of the random graphics. Me and Drew do. Yeah. It's funny because, like, yeah. so easy. It's just like, okay, I'll just whip something up real quick. You for know? sure. And I'll, I, for every once in a while, I'll do something like on Canva or something like that. Um, I have shout out to Matt. He's amazing. Our graphic designer. Matt, um, he, we're coming for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like even, yeah, anyways, that stuff can be super helpful. Like even like when you start getting into like building your funnels and stuff and you mm -hmm. want cool graphics and stuff yeah. in there. But this website's sometimes a better place to look professional. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, uh, it's funny that Alex, I mean, Alex has a, a red camera, 30,000, 30, how much is that thing? It's like 30, 40 K. Yeah, and um, and essentially sometimes we'll just I mean we've never used that we choose to use iPhones like ninety percent of the time because it's right. so so much more relatable you know what I'm yeah. saying I don't know it's kind of funny uh, but anyways dude I think that's a good wrap man I think that dude people listening to this thing this is like the podcast that you saved you show your buddy like yo you need to check out this episode like it's really killer rewatch and then honestly go check out the workshop because I'm about to pry out all that stuff into practical steps for you guys and uh, I think it'll be killer. Man, it's been awesome. Yeah. Dude, the reshoot did great. Sorry, guys, for the inconvenience, but did just fine. I awesome. knew it would because I'm like, dude, listen, I'm listening to you talk since the second you get here. And I'm like, dude, he's fine. He'll, he'll pull out some sauce. We got, we, got, we got some gems. We got stuff. We're yeah. not going to run out. Cool. All right. That's a wrap. <laughs>